Hello, hello, Femme fans. Before we jump into our awesome interview today, I wanted to ask you a giant favor. We are at the end of 2021, and it is time for end-of-year giving. We've accomplished so much this year to improve women's health through innovation. I am in awe of the incredible companies I meet every single day. You all inspire me to do more to advance the industry. But in order to create more podcast episodes, grow our virtual community, publish more market research, and produce events, we need funding. So I'm asking you, please show your support by making an end-of-year tax-deductible donation at femtechfocus.org. For those that are a monthly donor or have made your end-of-year donation already, thank you from the bottom of my nerdy feminist heart. We couldn't do our work without your support. If you'd like to join their efforts in making a donation yourself, just go to femtechfocus.org. Thanks. Hi, I'm Dr. Abigail Hirsch. I'm the founder of Lynn Health, and Femtech to me is a world where every woman knows that her experiences in health and in pain are going to be taken seriously every time she talks with a medical provider. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and today's episode is brought to you by Witham. Witham is a forward-thinking, technology-driven advisory and accounting firm committed to helping companies be more profitable, efficient, and productive in today's complex business environment. Witham's dedicated Femtech team is proud to partner with the members of the Femtech community. Get to know their team at witham.com backslash femtech. Okay, Fem fans, in today's episode, I interview Dr. Abigail Hirsch, the founder of Lynn Health. Abigail is a clinical psychologist by training and no stranger to the world of digital therapeutics. Her company, Lynn Health, is a digital platform for chronic pain management. Their care support team helps individuals navigate a personalized and integrative approach to care. They've built a connected, curated, and customizable digital pain management solution poised to deliver chronic pain treatment at scale in a way that the current health systems cannot. Chronic pain affects one out of every five Americans, or 50 million people, and accounts for 15% of all of doctor visits. Can you believe that? Globally, women struggle with chronic pain at higher proportions than men. However, women are less likely to receive treatment. We talk about that in this interview. Women with persistent pain have been underserved by a broken healthcare system to the point of a national crisis. In this episode, we learn that persistent pain isn't just a symptom, but rather a medical condition that needs to be properly diagnosed and addressed head on. 90% of Lynn members report lower pain intensity, reduced pain interference in their lives, start to sleep more comfortably, feel happy and calm, and cope better if pain does flare up. This was super fascinating, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Learn more about Lynn Health at lynn.health. Enjoy the episode. 
Hey, Abigail, welcome to the show. Hey, Brittany, really fun to be here today. Where are you calling in from? Uh, I'm actually calling in from just outside of Tel Aviv, Israel, um, which is kind of a crazy story, but but I'm Denver uh, born and bred, uh, definitely a, a, a Broncos fan. Broncos, yes. It's definitely football season over here. Um, oh boy. <laughs> I bet you haven't talked about football before on Femtech podcast. I huh? actually don't think we have. <laughs> 150 episodes. Sorry, NFL, you have not had your, your time. Um, but uh, I'm really excited to have you um, on the show because we're talking about something that hasn't actually been on the show yet, which is always so crazy to me that there are still topics in women's health that we have yet to cover. Um, and chronic pain is one of them. So I'm very excited to have you on to be talking about this very important topic. Um, but let's kick it off with learning more about you. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? What is your training in? You are a doctor. So what is your training in? And um, a little bit about your story, how, did, how you ended up working here at Lynn Health. Yeah, absolutely. So Brittany, I'm a clinical psychologist by training, um, but I had this crazy thing happen. And, and because it's Femtech podcast, I'm going to tell a little bit more about the personal side yeah. of the story than I usually do. Oh, I love it. Um, as I was finishing graduate school, I actually had an ectopic pregnancy, um, which left me stuck in my bed for about three weeks and then having emergency surgery. Again, Another topic for a podcast, don't know how much you've talked about uh, unknown things in pregnancy that women don't talk about till after they happen to them. Um, but I was at risk of not being able to finish graduate school. And so I lay in bed and wrote a ton of grant applications because I could get the hours I needed to get out of graduate school by doing that. Um, and so one of the blessings that came out of that, that uh, challenging you know, kind of personal health moment for me um, was I did get funding from the Department of Health and Human Services for a five-year project to look at how we could use the internet to actually change people's lives, to help in that case, um, to build a product for young couples to learn how to be better parents together. Um, and so that launched me off into this world of digital health, which has really become my passion um, and just incredibly exciting to see when we first started, again, when I got that grant funding, I'll date it by saying it's pre-YouTube. Um, yeah, that says something, huh? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how old I am. <laughs> but, uh, but when we got that grant funding, um, our reviewers were like, internet and behavioral health and internet and behavior change, no way, that's never going to happen. Um, so clearly, thank goodness, we're living in an incredibly different world today. But between that project and then the next one that I did, which was building out one of the first digital behavioral health companies. Again, today, thank goodness, that's like a dime a dozen. Um, My Strength, the, the second company that I built, um, we sold it to Livongo, but it was truly the first and, and kind of ground setting product in terms of bringing um, a digital approach to behavioral health. And then about a year and a half ago, I met my co-founder, Yehuda Kogan, and we knew we were excited to go on the, the really crazy uh, entrepreneurial journey again, um, but we also knew we wanted to conquer the biggest um, area that digital health had not touched, and that was chronic pain. Um, and so we, we launched Lynn about, uh, not quite a year ago, about 10 months ago, and are out there delivering a solution that we are confident is going to change the lives of millions of Americans. 
Wow. I'm so excited to dig into this. Um, this whole time, have you been in Israel or were you in the United States or? I'm, I'm back and forth a lot. We're, we're based here, um, although back for huge chunks of time in the summer and I always sneak in some ski season. <laughs> Great. And so is, would you consider this an Israeli company or a U.S.-based company? I only ask because we see so much femtech coming out of these two countries. It's really interesting. Yeah. So first of all, you're absolutely right. Israel is just a powerhouse when it comes to digital health. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother conversation for another podcast <laughs> episode. Um, but it does mean that, that you know, the Israeli side of our company, although we are a U.S. corporation and our audience is all in America, um, but a chunk of our team sits here and it's incredible to be in this tight-knit digital health ecosystem that's just going bananas. Cool. Well, I want to learn about Lynn Health, but I think first it actually makes more sense to define what is chronic pain because someone might be listening and being like, wait, what? There's an app for your arm being sore. And it's like, I don't know if that's really what we're talking about here. So let's first define what is acute versus chronic pain. Yeah. So, so Brittany, I'm really glad you asked that because chronic pain is actually a disorder that affects one in five Americans, um, or at least that's according to kind of the, um, the CDC statistics. There's a Harris pullout that's actually indicating that it's more like one in two. Um, so it is really important that people understand what chronic pain is because the odds are pretty good that you may have chronic pain. Um, and all the more so, by the way, if you're female. Um, mm. So chronic pain, let's, let's think for a minute about, about pain, right? Acute pain is um, the sensation you experience when you have some kind of an injury. Um, you know, you touch a hot stove and you, it's like, ouch, or you fall down and you break your leg and it's going to heal, or maybe you had a motorcycle accident. Um, so acute pain is pain that's lasting for more, less than three to six months. Um, and it's during the period when your body is healing. Okay. Um, but what happens for many, many, many people, as we just heard, is that that pain lasts for longer than the regular healing time. So by about six months for almost everything, um, our bodies have pretty much patched themselves together again, not in every case in every way, but I'm kind of going to talk about in general. Um, and, and we shift into a world of chronic pain. Um, and so chronic pain is pain that is persisting for more than six months um, and that is uncomfortable enough that it's causing some disruption, inconvenience, um, you know, interference in your life. So I think you're right. It's not just that my shoulder is a little bit sore after I type, but if it goes from a little bit sore to I'm avoiding my keyboard because I'm, I'm worried mm-hmm. about being in my computer, then we're in the world of chronic pain. Got it. And so, um, is you said disorder, that's really interesting. Is chronic pain is a disorder. What makes something a disorder? Yeah. What makes something a disorder is what the ICD, that's the committee that writes the code, that's a World Health Organization committee that writes the codes that doctors use to say what you have, what is happening for you, what's the disorder, what's the syndrome, what's the disease. Um, and so it's actually really, really great that you picked up on that because chronic pain didn't used to be a disorder. Um, in fact, in the codes that um, American medical everybody, that was not very articulate, but I'll just leave it that way, (laughs) (laughs) that the American medical establishment is using. um, So those codes are ICD-10, and they don't categorize chronic pain as a disorder. It's, it's in fact, not even there. You just talk about, um, you know, where the pain is located, or there's some 
kind of located all over in all kinds of little bits and places going with where in your body you're experiencing the pain sensation. But what happened in ICD-11, which is the new set of codes that came out in 2019, but unfortunately Americans are not gonna see in their local family um, doctor's office or at the emergency department until 2025, which is really a problem in the case of pain, is we've had a sea change. Um, in in the understanding of what pain, chronic pain really is. It's chronic pain has been reclassified as a disorder in and of itself. So oh. not something that goes just with where it's happening in your body, um, but it is recognized that this is actually a um, place where there is a system that is not working the way it should. And that's why we call it a disorder. And, you know, is there any way to diagnose chronic pain besides just the timeline? Yep, so the timeline is the most important. Um, the functional disruption is the second most important. Um, and then when we're talking about diagnosing chronic pain, what we really wanna look at, and I'm gonna talk about again from this ICD-11 standard because that's where the new pain science is. That's what everybody should be thinking about when they're trying to get a diagnosis for something that hurts for more than about six months. Um, so there's really two top level things we're looking for. We're looking for the degree to which um, it is a direct result of some other um, tissue damage basically happening in your body. So you can have something called secondary pain and that's always due to something. So secondary pain due to cancer or secondary pain due to um, uh, arthritis. Arth yeah, arthritis is actually really interesting. It's oh. kind of mixed <laughs> and lupus is really interesting. It's kind of mixed. Um, that's why I was pausing there as I didn't want yeah. to give those as examples. Um, but but you could have chronic pain due, let's say, to Crohn's disease. That's a great example that okay. impacts lots of women. Um, but the bulk of chronic pain and estimates um, in the literature, about 85%, but in our users, our members at Lynn Health, we're actually seeing it's closer to 90, 95% of pain is something that's classified as primary pain. Um, and what primary pain means is that there's actually very little um, tissue damage that's driving the pain. And what's crazy, this is most back pain, irritable bowel, fibromyalgia, um, regional pain syndromes, some of arthritis, some of osteoarthritis, a ton of chronic pelvic pain, migraines, tension headaches. Um, these are the, all of these fall under this chronic primary pain diagnosis. Um, so let me just pause there. <laughs> that's, um, that's just super, super informative. Are, is the cause of the pain for all those different things, the same thing, or is it similar to cancer where breast cancer is different than colon cancer, different than skin cancer? Is it the same for chronic pain where depending on what's causing it or where it is, it's, it's all different. So therefore you can't just make one treatment. So that's what we used to think. That oh. is the way that pain has been treated up until, um, until like really now. And when I say now, I mean like now, now, um, um, and it does not work. Um, so 50% of back surgeries fail, uh, when you give injections or nerve ablations, what we're seeing when we do sham studies. So a sham study is basically you give half people, uh, injection that actually has some kind of thing, something that's supposed to help. And you give half the people an injection in their back with, um, saline solutions, like basically salt water yeah. that does nothing. And the two injections basically work the same. Wow. Um, so that is not exactly a highly effective medical treatment. Mm -mm. Um, but so, so 
you know, sci the scientists that were looking at pain and the researchers and the physicians, you know, have been asking, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Like, yeah. you know, we we must be treating the wrong thing. And what's really come out, it just in a sea change, and you're seeing it in the past few weeks in Washington Post, New York Times, JAMA, just everywhere, all of a sudden the, the wave has hit the shore, um, is we're come to an understanding that primary, all of these pain is being caused actually by the same thing. Um, and what, what is causing chronic primary pain is where you have a signal processing system that's out of whack. Um, and so it's kind of like you got a fire alarm in your house um, that is stuck on on mode and it gets louder and louder and louder every day. Oh my gosh, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, don't interrupt her. She's going to reveal it. She's revealing what it is. So what are you talking about processing issue, right? So, um, and you know, a lot of our listeners are healthcare people or scientists, but we also have everyday, uh, you know, accountants and bank people. So um, break down a little bit what you mean by that. Yeah, so I'm going to, I'll introduce kind of some more terms also, just so people who are looking for this will, will know where they can find it. Um, so for quite a while, there's been a word bouncer out called centralized sensitization. Um, and what that basically means is what we've seen now for probably five or 10 years, becoming increasingly, increasingly clear that this is what's happening with chronic pain, um, is that your nervous system, right? So um, this, our, our, the way our body collects information from what's from our nerves all throughout our body and sends it up to our brain to be processed. And this, by the way, you know, this is how vision works. This is how hearing works. We have these nerves that collect information. They send them into our brain and our brain is this incredible machine um, slash computer slash uh, manager of all of us <laughs> um, that tells, takes that information, processes it up and then spits back out what we're supposed to see or hear or smell or feel. Um, and so in the case of pain, that system um, gets more and more centralized and more and more sensitized, which basically means the volume knob gets turned up and up and up. So it's louder and louder and louder, and it stays at that louder amount for longer and longer and longer amounts of time. So we perceive even like in the case of fibromyalgia, even very light touch, which is definitely not doing any damage to one's body, um, is perceived and felt in a very 100% real way. And I'm going to come back to that like 20 more times. So I want everyone listening to know that this does not mean your pain. It's not in your head. You're not faking it. All pain is 100% real pain. Um, but 100% real, real, real pain um, is produced um, in this interaction between your nerves and your brain. Um, and in the case of, of primary pain, that that processing system has gotten kind of out of whack. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, uh, I would love to share a little story of my own. I always like to share my stuff. Amazing. Um, my listeners know a lot <laughs> you about You heard me. my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was growing up, I, I grew up in a pretty uh, abusive and traumatic oh, and chaotic so household. And I had a lot of joint pain, specifically in my shoulders and in my jaw. And at that time, I was like thir 12, 13, and doctors had just started to hear about fibromyalgia. And had some doctors say, that's what you have. And other doctors say, wait, they said that, that's phony. That's not even a real thing. Um, but I didn't have Lyme disease. I didn't have rheumatic fever. I didn't have blah, 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 blah. But all these doctors, none of them asked, how's your home life? You know, none of them asked my mom to leave the room and say, how do you feel? 
Chris, how do you feel? Yep. But the thing I wanted to bring up here that's relevant is um, I remember one time going, we went to like a chiropractor, maybe like we were just going everywhere. And the guy touched my jaw bones very lightly and my brain was on fire and I started crying and he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I lit, I just placed my fingers on there. Like I didn't press and I felt so embarrassed because I knew that, but at the same time, it hurt so much. Um, you know, and it felt like my, just my neurons were on fire. Um, that's what you're talking about here, right? I, Brittany, you're, you're, I'm going to hold you up as our poster child. <laughs> uh, there's a ton of things in your story that are spot on. So first you're exactly right. That pain is not just about what happens to the nerves, but it's about what our brain associates mm. um, to that sensation. Um, another piece in your story that's really, really typical, and it's your. This is why we founded Lynn, and I'm going to add a bit of the, the yeah I side to it here. Yeah. Um, is is that experience of first of all, kind of being told like we don't really know what this is. And we're not really clear if it's real or not real. Um, first, I'm so sorry because that nobody should ever have that experience. But unfortunately, for the vast majority of people, and especially when those people are female, um, th this experience is happening over and over and over again, um, as opposed to people understanding, oh, that's an incredible signal. That means this is primary pain. Brittany, I have great news for you. You have a disorder called primary pain. And the great news is it's one of the most treatable disorder, chronic disorders out there. Wow, um, that is not what I heard. <laughs> well, I, I'm telling it to you now if your jaw ever screams again. Um, but the other piece that's so, so wise in the way you tell your story is that you intuitively were connecting the stress and the, um, and the unsafe environment that you grew up in with your pain. Girl, that took a lot of decades of therapy. <laughs> I did not know well, that at the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm also sorry that it took a lot of decades of therapy instead of every medical professional everywhere knowing that that has to be part of what you ask about when you diagnose Right. That's like my biggest issue with that whole experience growing up was that just nobody asked outside of let's do a blood test. Let's do a blood test. Let's take an x-ray. It was like, you know, yeah. Anyways, wow. That, well, I feel so seen. And since, you know, um, it was very interesting. My father moved out when I was 14 and my pain went away. Isn't well, that interesting? Now I can tell you a thousand percent for sure <laughs> you had primary pain. Um, and by the way, again, I hope this never happens, but if you're walking down the street and somebody that kind of, for whatever reason, triggers something in your brain that associates back to your father, um, and all of a sudden your jaw starts hurting again, you can just say very nicely to your jaw, this is primary pain. Um, this is a learned association. And I don't know why it triggered back to that. Um, but I can, I can unlearn it. And that's, wow. That's the only treatment that works, but it works incredibly well when you start to unlearn these associations. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, Fem fans, did you know that the birth control pill was invented in the 1960s? Well, it's 2021 and we are still taking our daily dose of hormones. It's time for contraception to get an update. Meet Fexi. The first and only FDA-approved, hormone-free, on-demand contraception vaginal gel. Fexi comes in a box of 12 pre-filled applicators and is applied up to an hour before sex. This innovative solution is brought to you by EvoFem Biosciences, NASDAQ EVFM. 
EvoFem is developing and commercializing innovative products to address unmet needs in women's sexual and reproductive health, including hormone-free, women-controlled contraception, and protection from certain sexually transmitted infections, including chlamydia and gonorrhea. EvoFem recently launched the House Rules campaign with Fexi brand ambassador Annie Murphy, the Emmy Award-winning actress from Schitt's Creek fame. Learn more about Fexi at Fexi.com or EvoFem.com. Be sure to check out the House Rules video on YouTube. It is hilarious and amazing. That's Fexi, P-H-E-X-X-I.com. And now back to the interview. Well, I think that's a great segue into Lynn Health. So how is Lynn Health helping people with chronic pain? Yeah, so Lynn Health is the only um, model out there that is tackling pain from this understanding of what primary pain is uh, in a digital health way, right? So it's accessible to everybody wherever you live, you know, especially in America where... Um, in America and ev- everywhere, but where you're looking at five month waits to get into a pain specialist, if there's even somebody within a three hour drive, um, we thought it was incredibly important to have a digital first approach so that it's click, 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 and everybody can get help. Yeah. Um, but what we've done is built a model where as people come in and, and activate a Lynn membership, um, we first do exactly this conversation you and I did of diagnosing the pain properly and looking at, is this primary pain or is it something called secondary pain like we talked about? Um, what part is the brain's Um, and the centralized sensitization and what part is something else going on. Um, And then we have coaches um, who are all pain warriors. They've just like you made it through to the other side. They're incredibly inspirational, but they also are incredibly well-trained in the techniques that have been proven to reverse um, primary pain sensations. Um, And so our coaches work side by side with our members every day, based on the knowledge that they have from our diagnostic professionals to help people learn how to turn this pain around. Um, And then I'll just add one last piece that we do because we know, and I'd be curious if this was your experience, pain often comes with a lot of other things, right? It comes with depression or it comes with anxiety. Yeah. You're laughing. Oh yeah. 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 Diagnose complex PTSD. And at the time I also had a lot of GI issues that I thought was just separate. And I also was like a young teenage girl. And so talking about my stool to my parents or a doctor was like not on the table. So they didn't even talk about that. Well, and luckily it was your stool, not pelvic pain, right? Mm -hmm. Or period pain or, um, you know, topics that again are still, it's, it's, um, very, very prevalent and women are not talking about these pains. Vulvodynia, another great example. Um, but (coughs) excuse me um but so in you're exactly right that for almost everybody whether it's sleep or how you're eating or how much you're moving or ptsd or depression or anxiety pain comes with a lot of other stuff around it um and so what we do is we kind of like supercharged our coaches um by bringing in an ecosystem of other apps and tools and services and medications and supplements so that we can, in one-stop shopping, address the whole person, right? So we can actually say, Brittany, what's happening with you? 
um, and have your coach anchoring the kind of help and the kind of care that you need, not just for the pain, but for everything around the pain as well. Can you give us some examples of techniques and also does Lynn Health prescribe medication? Yeah, so, so we are able to prescribe medications. Um, I will also say the truth of the matter is we generally find over time that people don't need medications um, because the tools that work the best to turn to tone the pain down are not medical medications. Uh, but sometimes it's really helpful because um, it's helpful at the beginning to have some medications just so that, like that flare-up is a little bit less intense yeah. um, feeling. Um yeah, so what are the kinds of tools that help? Basically what these tools are, are, um, are ways that you help separate the association between fear and pain, because we know that when, we're, when there's some kind of an association with fear and pain, the pain goes up through the roof. Um, so that's piece one. The second is to bring back into people's lives all of the things that rebuild joy and pleasure. Uh, one of our coaches has a wonderful way of saying this. She says, it's kind of like if you're in Star Trek and you know all you're seeing on the view screen out there, you're just constantly scanning the galaxy for bad things. That's all you're gonna experience, right? So if you're yeah. out there always looking for what's gonna cause my pain, it's gonna heighten that pain reaction. And so what we do is help people get on their view screen, things that bring them joy and happiness and fun in their lives. Um, and, and then there's some just super specific techniques for um, how do you kind of help that nervous system um, chill itself out and be less reactive. Yeah, because, you know, my experience with learning about PTSD, one of the best solutions for me um, was actually learning about the neuroscience of PTSD. If you can tell, definitely a nerdy scientist over here, but being able to be like, oh, like my brain is in like gazelle mode and it thinks I'm in danger, but it's never stopping running, right? It like always is chronically doing it. So what I hear is um, for me, let that, that manifest, manifest in anxiety and ruminating thoughts and, you know, whatever, yep. panic attacks, nightmares. But this sounds like it's a, something similar, but it's the, like, the, um, like the neurons, the nerves in those areas yep. of pain that are just like, oh God, I already, I'm anticipating it's gonna hurt. So I'm just gonna send the signal ahead of time, even yep. when it didn't need to. Yep. Yep. No, wow. that's, that's, that's exactly right. And what you're saying about ed education is, is really important too. So the research is super clear that pain education is a really important piece of the puzzle. And we start with, with all of our members, helping them understand the science of pain, helping them understand why um, is there a code now for primary pain? What does that diagnosis mean? Um, or if they have secondary pain, what does that diagnosis mean? Um, but the research is also really clear that for most people, that's not enough, that you then need a really clear protocol on how you dial this pain down. And so there's a couple that are super effective. One of the ones we particularly drawn is called um, pain reprocessing therapy, PRT. So we have a special version that we've delivered that our coaches are able to do. Um, you know, they're not therapists, they're peers, but they are able to do a lot of the core components of, of pain reprocessing. Um, and, and so actually if you want another nerdy science, yeah, uh, there's a, our, one of our, um, lead clinical advisors, Dr. Yoni Ashar just had a paper come out in JAMA, um, that showed that these pain reprocessing techniques were able 
able to take people with severe back pain, you know, years and years and years of, of back pain that was upending their lives um, and get 75, 73% of them pain-free um, within a couple of months and they remain pain-free at a year follow-up. Wow. 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 Well, you know, um, my understanding is that pain is mostly treated with things like opioids, right? Which is a kind of a mask to the pain. So let's talk about the opioid uh, epidemic that's happening. Um, Is that something that Lynn is going to help counteract, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. We um, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I do want to just like pause for a second and just talk about women and opioids. Yeah, um, let's talk about as women. <laughs> as long as we're here and I can really kind of bring that up. Um, so one of the things that often happens is that um, women and men are listened to differently um, about their about their pain. Um, and so, um, interestingly, uh, women are often kind of underprescribed um, when they have acute pain. Um, so um, there's studies that are showing, for example, that women are only half as likely to be prescribed a painkiller when they have coronary bypass surgery. And in that case, it's a problem, right? Because what in that acute setting, an opioid is really helpful for keeping you from pairing um, pain to fear. Um, and developing long-term uh, impacts. So I, and I say this to say that it's not that opioids are all bad. There's a time and a place for them appropriately used. Um, and, and again, I, it's a problem if women are under, um, under-prescribed uh, opioids where they're appropriate. Um, but on the other side of things, for chronic pain, right, for pain where it's no longer that somebody just opened your heart and is, you know, doing surgery on you, and you're trying to repair from that tip, tissue damage, um, but once this pain is lasting for beyond the period of tissue damage, and that we're past that kind of three to six mo- month marker, um, then opioids work really differently. Um, opioids are really not good for managing this longer term pain. Um, and so not only do they not do a great job of, of even masking the pain as you go on, as you know, opioids are highly addictive and you start to need more and more opioids, um, to have the same kind of analgesic experience, um, which is really dangerous. Um, so eight to 12% of people who are using an opioid medication to manage their chronic pain end up developing an opioid use disorder. Um, and the statistics you know, on accidental um, overdose and death are, are terrifying in our country today. I, you know, again, I think topic, I hope that you, if you haven't done one, it's yeah. a really important broader topic, but um, just pulling it back to Lynn and, and, and pain, um, Part of the reason that opioids are being prescribed so much for ongoing primary pain, right, lasting pain, is because there haven't been great treatment models. Um, And appropriately, doctors want to do something to be helpful. Patients have been taught that opioids is what you do for pain, um, and they haven't had a model like them. So they haven't had somewhere to turn and get a better, more effective approach to their pain. Yeah, opioids is such an interesting addiction because it's not like you have your doctor prescribing you cocaine and meth, (laughs) you know, like we have a pretty well-established, like those are illegal substances, like here's what's legal. And like, if you have a professional medical, 
professional telling you, take these, you'll feel better. Um, it's kind of interesting that it then can overlap into, uh, you know, selling of pills and gets really dark and um, addictive real fast and, and deadly and deadly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Which is why, again, in certain cases, judiciously taken, mm-hmm. great, great tool, right? But not ongoing, not if you start craving it, mm-hmm. not as a way to manage the day-to-day of long-term chronic pain. The much better, much more effective approach is what we call a brain-first approach and all these things we've been talking about for, for how to get through to the other side of, of primary pain. So are women disproportionately affected by chronic pain? Yeah, it's really interesting. There's a little bit of conflicting uh, data coming out on this, but here's what I'll say. Fibromyalgia, 80 or 90% of diagnosed cases are women. Um, you know, Part of what's not clear is are women being actually overdiagnosed here? Mm-hmm. Um, again, goes back to really interesting bias in healthcare. Um, but it does seem pretty clear that there is more chronic pain um, in, in women. Um, I would say across the board, not radically more men, for example, are more likely to be, um, you know, to have back pain, for example. Um, but, but the experience of women seeking treatment for pain, um, is often very, very, very different. So, um, just kind of to give you some really interesting statistics, um, while women are 50% of our medical students out there, right? So that's an amazing accomplishment that we finally Two have ladies go. just, yeah. yeah, same chance of ending up at a, at a, at a female doctor as a male one, a lady doc, um, which is amazing, amazing, amazing. Again, back to your story, especially if what you need to tell your doctor is something that is a little bit intimate and, a, you know, could be uncomfortable, um, but when you look at pain specialists, only 20% of pain specialists are women. Um, and so the people who are fielding all of these questions about pain um, are overwhelmingly male. And there's a there's you know very clear documentation, again, not to say that men are bad in any way, but there is a style difference um, and uh, you know, a subtle bit of um it treating people differently based on those style differences. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Do women have pain in different places? You said men have more back pain. Where are women having our pain? Yeah. So look, people have pain everywhere. <laughs> I'm going to say that from head to toe. Pain, um, our, 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 our bodies are incredibly good at using pain as a way of signaling um, something to try and keep us safe. Yeah. And, and again, in a really important way. Um, but I think for me, kind of more interesting than where, you know, who has more pain where is what are the kinds of pain um, that are not getting talked about anywhere near enough? And, and um, vulvar pain, um, chronic pelvic pain, although it occurs in men, it's much more prevalent in women and much less talked about. Um, and, and again, fibromyalgia um, and period pain. Sorry to forget one that's so common, right? Yeah. You know, women are all the time, oh, it's just period pain. It's not real pain. Well, yeah. that's crazy. It is real pain. All pain is real, 100% real. And if you're so uncomfortable, you know, once a month that you can't function, that's pain that needs addressing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is pain during sex considered potentially chronic pain? Uh, 
So that's a really, really good question. Um, and another amazing area where pain during sex is so mistreated and so, you know, people yeah. are so branded and stigmatized. Actually, we have a lovely, lovely woman, one of our first members at Lynn, um, came in with kind of some other pain complaints, but it became very clear that her primary pain um, was during sex and around her period. Um, we have one coach that's actually a specialist um, in female pain. We love, love, love that because um, she kind of has helped all of us learn a ton. Um, but what, what became clear is that the way out of pain for her um, included working very directly on the pain during sex. Um, so even though it's not like chronic in the sense that you feel it all the time, um, and it certainly ought, you know feels like you can point to the trigger, which looks like it's sex, it's actually not. The trigger um, for almost all painful sex, um, and I'm saying almost all because there's another whole rabbit hole around <laughs> menopause and yeah, changes yeah. in our bodies that happen yeah. around menopause. But but let's say kind of generally speaking, um, there is somehow we've gotten a little bit of an association of sex with pain. Um, and once there's a teeny little bit of an association that just goes, um, you know, centralizes and sensitizes. And all of a sudden it stops being just a little like, huh, that was a weird feeling to being full on pain is really, um, really uncomfortable and then really painful. Um, and then an incredible part of our lives can get lost for women because nobody knows how to help them reverse that in a way that is um, healthy and helpful. Yeah. Yeah. This is so interesting because, you know, we do talk a lot about vaginal health on the show and talk about, you know, atrophy or, you know, um, because you had surgery or because you're in menopause, but sometimes it's because you had one bad experience and now you're sensitive, you know, and now your brain is anticipating pain when it may not necessarily happen. And, you know, that bad experience doesn't even have to be a sexual experience. You know, it, it could be that you just had a stomach ache one day when you were having sex. And so things were a little uncomfortable and you started to associate sex to that discomfort. Yeah. Um, and then again, our, our brains are these just incredible, incredible, incredible pattern learning machines. And once they have an association, they like to kind of run with it. Yeah. And then, then once it does it again and again and again, and all of a sudden you're right. like, how can you tease these apart? Well, I'm so glad that Lynn Health exists. Um, I love this uh, topic. I love what you're doing. This is so important. How can, um, if our listeners are interested, how can they engage with Lynn Health? It's pretty easy. Lynn.health. That's <laughs> pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> no, really, we really, it really encourage people come to Lynn.health. And I'm emphasizing the dot because it's not lynnhealth.com, it's Lynn.health. Yeah. Um, and come, come in, sign up. We have an incredible, incredible customer success and onboarding team that's always available to answer questions. Um, I hope people have learned a ton about pain from this, but they, it's pretty likely that folks have some questions about their specific situations that they should have answered before they, you know, we would ask them to actually sign up, but um, we have great membership plans. You know, people are able to access Lynn for less than, visit a copay on a visit with a specialist in most cases. Wow. Well, this has been incredible. We have two last questions our listeners really love. The first one is if someone wanted to start a startup in femtech, what's an area in women's health and wellness that still needs more innovation? Well, 
Eight months ago, I would have said pain. But <laughs> <laughs> Check. <laughs> but we've, yeah, we've, we've nailed that one. Um, you know, it's a really good question. I, I think for me, there's, there, it's not exactly health, but it is on the wellness side. It's around, um, women and knowing how to advocate for yourself in a work situation um, and moving towards um, pay equality. I, you know, just um, flipping kind of the side of entrepreneurship, you know, I'm also an employer and I see all the time women who come in and don't know to ask for as much as their male counterparts. Um, I'm very proud that I stop the conversation, put on my other hat, tell them how to advocate, and then we go (laughs) back to the um, job negotiation. Um, but I, I think there's an incredible need for women to come in and ask for what they're worth because you all are worth that. Oh, I love that. And, uh, and it's something I would, I need <laughs> too, because I love working in femtech so much that sometimes, and I find this a lot with women, especially because that we're passionate about something. So we're willing to sacrifice compensation or whatever, because we're like, but we're so happy doing it. And it's so important. And it's like, okay. But like, maybe you could be compensated as well. And, you know, be, be happy and compensated. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> Our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful? Female founders. I can tell you that without even blinking. It's, you know, there's, there's a, um, uh, a center in the town that I live in that was built for women for women's learning. Um, and they have like a physical building that was designed by women, built for women and inhabited by women. And when you walk in that building, it just feels different. Like there's a scent in the bathrooms and there's floral pictures on the wall, you know, and it's not like you, you just walk in and you say, oh, the whole world would feel like this if women were all of the architects and the designers. Like, why do we walk in all these male feeling buildings? But the same is true in health tech and in digital health. So much health tech has a different overlay because it's not being built by women. And the only way to change that is more female founders. Yes, I freaking love that because I was actually looking at some cannabis startups that are targeting women, specifically for women's health. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what marijuana could look like if it was branded by a woman for women. Cause it was a look I've never seen before. You know, it was an attitude around, it and, you know, accessories that women actually need and want, you know? And I was telling my partner about it and was like, this is, he goes, no, marijuana is marketed to women too. And I said, wait till you see these brands. You'll be like, oh wait, no, it has never been marketing <laughs> towards us for us. Right. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely crazy. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for the work you're doing and um, wish you the best. Total pleasure, Brittany. You too. Thank you for listening to my interview with Dr. Abigail Hirsch, the founder of Lynn Health. Did you know that chronic pain in the United States alone costs us $635 billion annually? That is a ton of cheddar going to manage a chronic issue. Learn more at Lynn or sign up at lynn.health. 
Alrighty, Fem fans, don't forget to make your end of year donation at femtechfocus.org. If you donate $100 or more, you'll be sent a donor gift of your choice. Please give the show a five star review and share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a FemPro member for only $10 a month and get access to the FemTech Institute, a library of FemTech and startup lessons that are sure to help you advance your startup and teach you more about the FemTech industry. Keep an eye out for our monthly FemTech book club and subscribe to our newsletter. Again, please consider making a donation to FemTech Focus end of year's fundraising campaign. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.